For AZPM, I'm Mark McLemore, and this is Arizona Spotlight. Coming up, meet three of the high school age artists featured in an exhibition called Our Stories at the UA Museum of Art. A 21-year-old German man shares his first impressions of traveling in the United States and journey deep into the 100-acre wood to meet a group of friends who call it their home as the play Pooh returns to the Scoundrel and Scamp Theater. Those stories are next on Arizona Spotlight. High school at its best can be a journey of self-discovery. So too is becoming an artist. Deciding how one wants to express oneself requires reflection and reaction to the world around you. A new multimedia exhibition in Tucson gives space to the results of some young people's first forays into creating art, as Leah Britton discovers. The Our Stories exhibit at the University of Arizona Museum of Art showcases the work of several high school-aged artists with messages to share. I had the chance to talk to three of them about what this experience meant. As I entered the museum, I met Melissa Large, whose fashion sense reflected some of the stylistic elements in her work. Large's painting, Nanatita, is an ode to her grandmother, her heritage, and the powerful woman she hopes to become. Hi, I'm Melissa Large. I'm a senior at South Point Catholic High School, and I'll be attending the U of A this fall. So my piece started for a Dia de los Muertos show at my school's gallery. Um, we had to pick a loved one to do a Day of the Dead theme painting for, and I decided to do my grandma, who I refer to as Nanatita, which is the title of the piece. I did a skeleton with traditional designs on it, based on a picture of her that I really liked. Um, she was pretty special and pretty important. She was like an unstoppable, strong woman, and she had no holds bar, and she got what she wanted. And I feel like that was something very important for me to hear about when I was growing up, especially my mom is also a very strong woman. So a strong woman who raised was very strong woman who is hopefully raising another strong woman, which is me. I had a lot of fun with this piece. I'd never really painted with acrylic before. So this was my first like real experience painting with it. And I'm pretty proud of myself because I feel like it came out really nice. It took me about seven hours to complete the whole piece and I guess it worked out and people liked it. At the Day of the Dead show at my school, there was a show that I got to go to. I was approached by my teacher to sign up for this exhibit and I was like, oh my gosh, really? <laughs> and then I finally got to put it here and coming here to see the piece up was like a surreal moment for me because I would never thought that I would be able to be in a real exhibit like this in a museum, like a big museum that people come and actually look at. You know, it was like a visceral experience. I was like, ah, I was over the moon. I did win an Outstanding Emerging Artist Award for this piece, which only five winners were picked. And it came with a $1,000 scholarship for the U of A, which is applicable if I choose to major in art, which I did, so I'm very grateful. When I first came in here, before I knew that I had won, I looked around at all these pieces and I was like, these pieces are so good because there are so many beautiful pieces out here. Like I'm so amazed by the talent in like the youth in my community. 
and I feel so blessed and so proud to have won an award like this. This experience finally made me feel validated as an artist. Um, I've always been an artist growing up. I would draw and stuff like on like little notepads anywhere. And I feel like I'd always been told I was a good artist, but I'd never had this level of validation and I'm kind of hard on myself. So I was always kind of like, oh no, it's just like a hobby. It's nothing special. But this experience really kind of gave me some self-confidence in myself and my own abilities. So it, it, I feel like it helped me and it changed me for the better. I'm finally somewhat more confident in my abilities and believe in myself as an artist. After he participated in the percussion competition that same weekend, multi-talented Roberto Robinson Boers talked me through how his whimsical piece ended up in the exhibit. Hi, my name is Roberto Robinson Boers, and I am a senior at Sabino High School. This piece is one of my eight pieces from my portfolio. The idea was to make a landscape, but with food. Like cloudy with a chance of meatball style, you know. I used an app called Procreate, digital art. What I first did was make a sketch on paper. So I could like do as much a, as many drafts as I wanted to. And then I inked it, then took a picture of it and colored it digitally. It ended up here because my teacher, Mr. Spear, he was like, oh, Robert, we should put this drawing in, in the UAMA. And I was excited. I was like, yeah, we, we should totally do that. <laughs> and a few days or weeks, I got an email on my watch. And it said, congratulations, Roberto, you got and then three dots. Because there's, there's not much space inside my watch for the whole email to be there. And I was like, wait, what? And then I went to my phone. I went to my email. And it said that I got the um, Outstanding Emerging Artist Award. And I was surprised because my main worry was that people weren't going to like my drawing because I thought it seemed a little too childish. Because when I think about like art museums, I think of seriousness and minimalistic paintings and stuff. But no, I was completely wrong. Like a lot of people liked it and I was super excited. Art means, it means everything to me. There, there are no limits. You can play with color with composition, and with all those elements, you can literally like do anything. Whatever you're thinking of, you can put it in a canvas, in a sculpture, in anything. That's what I think. I could tell our final artist had a strong grasp on her creative identity just by a glance at her work. Samantha Landeros, also known as Smana, received an honorable mention for her piece, Rightful Reclamation that tells a story of a world beyond repair. Hi, my name is Samantha Landeros, but I go by Sam. The name I put on my piece, I just have to mention real quick, I go by Smana, S-M-A-N-A, -A, because I just think that name sounds cooler. Um, I go to Walden Grove High School. I'm a junior. Our teacher assigned us a two-point perspective, so we're looking at a landscape, and I decided to make all these buildings but there are these like alien life forms pretty much but they're in the form of plants so it's not any like animals or anything it's strictly nature but like alien kind of and they're bursting out of these buildings and just reclaiming it as their own because 
the buildings themselves also like have specific names on it. These all met, like messed up polluting corporations that destroy and only take and don't give. And like I name drop a lot of them on here, like Chevron and like Nestle. These plants are like taking over and they're having all this like prosperous kind of environment and it looks completely different. Trees have red roots and stems, like a really deep saturated red and yellow leaves. I want it to be very clear and direct with saying that if we ever want to fix anything like this, like the pollution and all that, it might have to come to a point where we just let it be, you know, and just let someone else take over the reins because we clearly don't know what we're doing. This piece wouldn't have ended up in this exhibit if like my fine arts teacher, Miss Brown, she didn't encourage me. I didn't even think about putting my piece or submitting it until my teacher came up to me and she saw my work and she was telling me, oh, like you should at least try, you know, because this is like really good. This piece took me about a week because also stemming from that validation that I just couldn't get bring myself to work on it. And when I finally did, I was really proud of it because I didn't really believe that I could make something like this and have it end up here. That story was produced by Leah Britton. Our Stories is on display at the University of Arizona Museum of Art through the 20th of May. Germany has the largest economy in Europe and currently faces similar challenges as the U.S. when it comes to immigration. Recently, Tony Paniagua talked with Malcolm Goitem, a 21-year-old university student from Germany who visited AZPM as part of the Rias Berlin Commission. It's an exchange program for journalists that was founded in 1992. Malcolm Goitem, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Please tell us a little bit about the Rias Commission that brought you here to the United States and what made you apply. I was ever interested uh, to go to America. It was my first time here. And I loved like to get to know the culture here and in Germany we see a bunch of movies about America but it was it was really nice to experience that here in person and I heard about it um, actually over Eric he's like a bit of the host of the program and he told me to apply for it and I did that and yeah I don't regret it. <laughs> what cities did you visit and uh, when do you go back to Germany? We went to New York one week, and after that we stayed here in Tucson for two weeks, and now I am leaving at Friday. What were your impressions of New York and Arizona? Let's begin with New York City. What did you think? Oh, New York was very crazy. It was like just like the movies and the, the big buildings and skyscrapers were kind of overwhelming, but it was very nice to see the different cultures in New York and the different spirit of the of the people in New York because if you go like to another borough the people be very different and that was very very nice to experience in Tucson it was a whole different story uh, the people here are very very nice the weather is very great and i love that and i love like the studying life here in america it was just like uh, i i had imagined and you are originally from Berlin. You were born in Berlin. Can you tell us about that experience and that city? Yeah, I've been born and raised in Berlin. I lived there for 21 years now. And Berlin is a very, it's kind of like New York, but maybe a bit more 
more smaller and the people are maybe more 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 kind um but it's very diverse in berlin so you got every ethnicity there um so you you get to know the different cultures in berlin and i think that's very great that's what i why i love the city and i can't imagine to live some somewhere else i think um so i'm studying business administration right now with a special interest in like journalism and media and i want to get in my future life maybe in like this marketing direction advertising di uh, advertising direction i think that would be my thing and so it's very nice to experience like this this media stuff right here um to get this knowledge for maybe my future job Malcolm, there's a lot of talk here in the United States about immigration and, of course, lots of controversy, lots of different opinions about what should happen in this country. But Germany itself has been seeing a huge number of immigrants and refugees seeking asylum. You yourself have a varied uh, ethnic background. Can you tell us about that, please, and how it has shaped your life? So my mother is from Eritrea. My father's from uh, Germany. My mother came to Germany when she was 12 years and for her it was very hard to get like immigrated in germany because back in the days it was like a bit harder and the racism thing was like more a thing than than it is now and she managed to get to know the language and everybody who knows a bit about the german language it's very hard uh, to learn and that's crazy she managed to um study their law and she's now a lawyer for the german government She learned the language, German. Yeah. She became an attorney, a lawyer, and now she's working for the government helping other immigrants. Yeah, that's true. It's just like her passion because she was a refugee on her own. And for me, I think the, the journey of my mother is very great. Personally, for me, she's my, she's my hero. She gives me the feeling that you can do everything if you just work hard enough like she did. There's a book in the making. She, she wants like to write a book for... Maybe I can tell you about that in a couple of years. Malcolm, the German government is currently considering some programs or legislation that would make it easier for more qualified people to move to Germany, refugees or immigrants, and gain their citizenship, which has been difficult in the past. What do you think about that, as well as the people that you have spoken to? Uh, me and my friends, so we like diverse, and we like the fact that more people get to know Uh, you get the chance to live a life in Germany. Um, but especially on the east side in Germany, you hear very controversial things. They think it's becoming coming too much and that like the, the whole German culture is getting destroyed, which I think is, is not true. And for me, it's like the more culture, the, the, the better it is. Because you are a German person, obviously, you, you know no other country as far as uh, you're concerned. Your mother was born in Eritrea, but your father is German, and you were born in Germany. Yeah. What was your experience like growing up there? Obviously, I don't look like the typical German guy. So, yeah, there have been some problems, but you never know. Do the people, people don't like you because of, like, your person, or do they don't like you because of your, your race or your, how you're looking? Um, but there have been, like things that people just come to me and start to speak with me like in English because they think I'm not from from Germany and that's like a bit of a problem but especially in Berlin it's not that so I said it's very diverse there so I've been not encountered with so many racism problems um, but yeah especially in the east I think it's it's very hard for people like me. What are your impressions of this country of what you have seen so far in the United States? 
I have to say, I I feel like for me personally, it's a bit more dangerous than in Germany, just because of the gun law. Because I know that everybody could carry a gun here, and that's not what we're used to in Germany. We know that nobody's carrying a gun, and if there is an argument, nobody would maybe pull a gun on me. And I have the feeling that this might could happen here, so um, I feel a bit more dangerous. But I love like the the spirit of the people, and especially that they just so patriotic which we don't have in germany in germany the people take more distance from their country they don't love the country as as the americans and i think that's that's a great thing that the americans are so patriotic okay and then moving forward in your professional and personal life what do you hope to do next uh, what do you hope to be in five or ten years oh so yeah like i said i am um, hope maybe like i can get a, a good job in like in marketing um, or maybe I'll, I'll start my, my own business. You never know what, what, is, what is coming up to you. Um, I let it come to me. My wish is that like I got a good job where I'm really like feeling good in it and like doing it. And yeah. Malcolm Goitam, a 21-year-old student who lives in Berlin, Germany. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. The story of Winnie the Pooh began in 1926 from the imagination of author A.A. A. Milne and illustrator E.H. Shepard. Although the Disney version is now the most popular, there have been many different interpretations over the intervening 96 years. Tucson's Scoundrel and Scamp Theater is inviting all ages to come and visit the Hundred Acre Wood in person and meet Pooh, Piglet, Eeyore, and all their woodland friends. Winnie the Pooh is a new adaptation written by Betsy Labiner and Raleigh Martinez. I got to fulfill a longtime wish to meet my childhood heroes last week when I visited Scoundrel and Scamp Theater and sat on stage with the director and the cast who were in full costume and makeup. Please introduce yourself for me. Hi, my name is Dawn McMillan and I'm the director of Winnie the Pooh. And I'm Tyler Gastelum and I'm playing Pooh. When I look back, I realize that there are very heavy themes that are in Winnie the Pooh. All kinds of fears are played on, getting lost in the woods, being washed away in the flood, being blown away in the blustery day. And I don't know how many of these elements you have in your production, but I think a key thing about the films is that Pooh is revealed to be a stuffed animal at the beginning. He actually tears his bridges and he sews himself back together. And I think they put that right up front so that kids understand this isn't a real bear. Mm -hmm. 
And so I just wonder if anything like that comes into play in this production where you want to assuage the fears of the children, but yet at the same time create this playground where you can explore all these heavy uh, adult themes. That's a really beautiful question. And part of the gift really is from the way that the playwrights integrated the Christopher and the Robin characters into the story. So we have the human characters who are having this evolution of facing something very scary. And our Hundred Acre Wood friends come together to help them learn to face their fears piece by piece, increment by increment. And so we have this, the real world and the Hundred Acre Wood. And by the end of the play, the courage and the friendship of everyone helps all of the characters face their fears and be ready to brave out into the next adventure. What's really cool about what our playwrights have done is we have um, the Christopher Robin character is two separate individuals, Chris and Robin. And as the readers of the Hundred Acre Wood stories, they are putting themselves into the stories and imagining that they're going on these adventures. So the playwrights have come up with some really clever ways to show the audience, like you mentioned, Pooh ripping his britches to show that he's imaginary. They show our audience of this piece as well, that Chris and Robin are imagining these stories and through these imagined experiences, reading these stories and living vicariously, they can learn these important lessons. And I think it's a really beautiful tribute to just everybody who loves stories and who has had that similar experience learning that way. Well, right now, as I'm talking to you, you're in full costume and makeup. Mm -hmm. Have you actually interacted with any children like this yet? Yes, yes, I have. Uh, we did an awesome event at the Children's Museum, their Art After Dark event. We got to perform two scenes and uh, interact with a lot of the audience members there, a variety of ages, take some fun pictures with kids, and that was a great time. Was it natural for the children to want to touch you? Did, did you get hugs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> I want to hug you. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I work as an elementary school teacher, actually, during the days. And one thing I'm very used to is that children don't often have the same physical boundaries that adults may have. <laughs> they love to touch and they love to explore. That's how they learn. But I like that because it shows that they're engaged in what we're doing. They're interested and they, they, want, to, they want to know more about this world. So it, it was a great thing, honestly. Yeah, it was so cute to see these eyes get all big. It was the first time we'd been out with, with a cast. So we, ha we haven't done this play anywhere before because it's the world premiere. So to see these tiny little people, their eyes get all big and them just wanting to reach out and be a part of it. And I think back to, you know, my kids grew up with, with Pooh. And to see like the magic of Pooh being just transmitted from generation to generation and to see it happen in front of my own eyes, it was really beautiful. What do you think you learned from sharing the Winnie the Pooh stories with your children that you're now putting into practice here at Scoundrel and Scam? It's kind of a complicated question because I'm also a psychotherapist by day. Okay. And so one of the things that I, I keyed into very early on with the Pooh stories really is about how they're these archetypal characters. Each one of them has a sort of characteristic um, orientation that we can recognize in our friends, especially those who are struggling with various mood disorders or mental illnesses. And so to have these stories where you can say, you know what? Yeah, Eeyore's clinically depressed and his friends still love him. Piglet is anxious and there's still a place for him. And so having this idea of watching these stories come to life within my kids' imaginations and how being able to reflect back on, oh, well, this reminds me of that, like you were saying, the, the flood or these events. 
and that everyone is still okay by the end of them and everyone belongs. I think that's the most important part. I'm Samantha Severson and I am playing Eeyore. And I'm Abigail Dunscombe and I'm playing Owl. A point that your director just made, which has been analyzed many times, is how the different animals in the 100 Acre Wood represent different personality types. So as Owl, uh, what was it like to take on this persona? And do you feel that it's one that you can really relate to in your day-to-day life? Owl has a lot of arguably, depending on who you ask, neurodivergent tendencies and loves to info dump as a way of showing that they care and likes to hyperfixate on learning a lot of really interesting things and keeps those things in his head as opposed to the practical ones that might better serve the creatures of the hundred acre wood who just kind of look at him like, huh? So I lecture a little like a professor and get interrupted a lot, but it's done with love. <laughs> um, now, when you say that you lecture a lot, do you mean the character Owl or do you mean you yourself? Both tend to happen accidentally, but more Owl, hopefully. <laughs> now I'm talking to Eeyore. What do you have to say about what you've learned about yourself and about being a glass half-empty person like I think Eeyore is? Eeyore was my favorite character. Getting to portray this character at this point in my life when I have struggled with my own depression for so long and I feel I've come to the other side of that and now getting to go back and not make fun of it but to kind of poke fun at myself, not at the mental illness, depression. Um, It's so gratifying to know that people are going to enjoy seeing Eeyore the way that I enjoy seeing Eeyore. There are times where I have to remind myself what Eeyore is really all about. Um, There's so much joy in this show that when you're on stage, it's contagious. And so... (laughs) It's, it's, it's so it's so hard to remember that, you know, Eeyore is like dour, but really the most fun as everyone else. Yeah. Do you happen to have any scenes together? Is there any dialogue that the two of you could do right now? You're probably two of the most disparate characters. Mm-hmm. We are, and yet we end up kind of in a lot of little vignettes together like the teaching words about being sad and mm-hmm. depression that one's fun but it's completely nonverbal. Oh. right hit me with that butter line <laughs> butter really is the optimal counter agent to honey you see due to its being a semi-solid emulsion which melts down easily if and... that's it am i a semi-solid emulsion it's hardly the only aspect mm-hmm. you know the process of turning cream into butter actually dates back to And then we get interrupted by Kanga because, of course, I'm going off on another tangent. (laughs) My name is Tanisha Ray, and I'm playing Kanga. Carlisle Ellis, I'm playing Rabbit. When I was auditioning for this, I just started thinking about what the animal rabbits are like. They're they're sort of the ultimate prey. Oddly enough, I had like four or five rabbits who were hanging out in my yard at the time, so I was able to watch them. They're just unalert all the time. They have to be very aware of their environment and very self-protective. I have all that in myself, of course. (laughs) (laughs) So I think of Kanga as unconditional love. Mm -hmm. She's the character that all the other characters can always turn to. I feel for her that she's an embodiment of love. And I even noticed while playing her that my interactions with other people have started to change. Um, She isn't the one in the spotlight. And that's not her role. And she's very comfortable with that. For me, when I play her, I think of 
I just want other people to be safe and happy and to give the best of themselves and to create a space for them to do that. And for me, I do, I absolutely agree. She, to me, she is love. And that's how um, she's, ab- she's absolutely changed my life playing this character. Scoundrel in Scamps, Pooh, an original adaptation of A.A. A. Milne's most beloved stories, runs May 12th through the 21st at the historic Y near the corner of University and 4th Avenue. There are photos of the cast in their creative costumes on the Arizona Spotlight page at azpm.org. Thank you for listening to Arizona Spotlight. This show is a production of AZPM. The music is by Calexico. The production engineer is Jim Blackwood. The assistant producer is Leah Britton. I'm producer and host Mark McLemore. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.